We're going to talk about bullying today. Uh, bullying is usually a topic that we reserve to talk about kids. But something I've noticed with my clients is that more and more of my clients are experiencing bully in the home. And what that tells me is there's a lot of it going on that we're just not talking about. So the statistics show that about one in five students in elementary through high school experience bullying. Now that's what's reported. And so just to be clear, what we're defining as bullying is it could be aggressive behavior. It could be hurtful, sometimes violent, um, and, but it always involves an imbalance of power or strength. You know, one person has power over another. And so when you think about, let's just talk about our parenting styles for a second. You know, very often as parents, when we get upset, it's very easy. We have a power imbalance as, as parents. We're supposed to. We're supposed to use our power to protect our children. But it's really easy to go to a place where we say, do this or else. And that actually is a form of bullying when we frame it that way. When we frame it as we're bigger, we're in control, and you're going to get punished dun, 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 or something's going to happen, as opposed to giving our children choices. Um, it can be a form of, of bullying. And I'm saying, I'm complete, to be completely transparent, I've raised five children, and I've used that position many, 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 many times when I was frustrated and upset. So you know, part of what we need to do here with bullying is loosen up our thinking about it like bullying, oh my God, it's so awful. Yeah, it is, it is so awful. And it's also super prevalent. And it goes on, not just because there are kids in the school who are bullies, it goes on because often in our culture and in our households, we do it. I mean, when we look at the way our country, which is large and powerful, negotiates with smaller countries, bullying can become a factor. It starts in, you know, we see it in the government, we see it on television, we see it uh, in our homes and it all over, it's all over our culture. So if we're going to really put an end to bullying, we need to recognize that it's super, super prevalent. Now, the second part of this is, let's go back to that one in five statistic. There's another statistic that shows that 80% of all households have experienced some form of emotional violence. And remember that the definition of bullying is aggressive, hurtful, and sometimes violent behavior. So emotional violence is when we're rageful in a way that feels overwhelming to the other person, probably out of control. We're probably out of control and that's why it feels scary to them. And that emotional violence in many ways is as dangerous and frightening as physical violence. And there are some people who have been in physically abusive relationships who would say the emotional violence is actually scarier because you don't know what's coming. At least with the physical violence, you know what to expect. But either way, it's bad, right? It's, it's a, when there's a power imbalance, one person becomes the victim and the other person becomes the abuser. Now, we see this often with our children, right? We see the older child bullying the younger child. And as parents, we feel we need to step in and balance that out. But how many times have you caught the younger child doing something to the older, ch older child and then using you as the stick, as a form of bullying? You know, the younger child is using I'm small and a victim and as a way to bully that older child. Now, they, 
they always pay for it. The thing is, in a family, you always pay for it, and possibly in society, bullies always pay for it too. Okay, so there are different kinds of bullying and the negative consequences for both the bully and the victim are pretty universal. And the reason is that nobody just becomes a bully. It's not like people just wake up and they are bullies. Or maybe I'm wrong about that, some people might be. But most bullies start out as victims. They start out as people who have been, are afraid because of a power imbalance, and they learn that they can compensate for that power imbalance by becoming the aggressor. I have a client who grew up in a very violent, emotionally violent household afraid always what his parents were doing to each other. Um, when his parents were home, uh, they either, one parent was, uh, would abuse him by being raging, especially expressing emotional violence. Um, the other parent was just physically dominant. Uh, and as that client grew older, he compensated for that by learning to be emotionally violent and eventually physically violent. So he learned at the feet of the master and he told me in a session that one day he made a decision that he wasn't going to be the victim anymore. He was going to become the predator is what he said. But in this context, we'll call it the bully. So bullies aren't born, they're grown and they're developed. And so basically anyone who's a victim has the potential to become a bully. And when you get that through your head, think about that. If one out of five children is reporting being bullied. Who are they being bullied by? What are the other four out of five kids doing? Right? How many of them are bullies? What's going on in that school system? There's no statistic on that. And, pos and also, if one out of five children are reporting being bullied, what happens as they get older? And they what if they become the bullies? Is it possible that it's more kids being bullied than are being reported because they stop becoming the victims and start becoming the bullies. I mean, there's, there's never been a long-term study on this. So we don't really know. We just have this statistic, which is like a snapshot that was taken in 2001. It's a snapshot. You know, no one did a, a study of a class of kids from kindergarten through high school. Okay. So even though most bullying occurs in the school environment for children. We know that bullying ultimately starts in the home, just like my client. Bullying is seriously challenging if there are adults who hope to prevent it. And the challenge lies in that the, the unless the bully is your child and unless you're willing to make the changes in yourself that the bully is modeling, it's very hard to break that chain. So let's talk about the types of bullying. There's direct bullying. Direct bullying is overt and includes physical aggression. So that could be like hitting or kicking. And then there's what I was talking about earlier. There's sort of emotional violence. That's just being raging, um, you know, going off 
physically threatening without actually hitting or kicking. Then there's sort of verbal aggression. So that could be like teasing. If someone is a perpetual tease, that may be a form of bullying uh, or comments that separate you from other people, that separate you out. They could be gender related, they could be sexual, they could be racial, they could be uh, religious, they could be anything that separates you from the pack and makes you feel alone, right? Because let's think about what's the victim. The victim is feeling alone and isolated. They feel totally disempowered. They, uh, they're, they're, they have a no place to go, nothing to do, separated from the pack. It could be getting someone to assault someone else, like that example of the younger child. That could be uh, uh, indirect bullying. It could be verbal, ver uh, like spreading rumors is a form of bullying. Nonverbal, including someone from a group or activity, uh, like excluding someone from a group or activity through uh, cyberbullying or just through clicks. So anything where people feel isolated and excluded, any action that is designed to make people isolated and excluded can be considered bullying. So now think about that in your family for a second. Sometimes when we punish people, what do we do? We tell them to go to the corner and have a timeout. That could be a form of bullying or is it? it I think probably if, you, if a child has an understanding that when they cross certain boundaries in the household, that there's going to be a consequence of taking a timeout, it's probably not bullying. But if it's random and unexpected, then it becomes bullying. So let's add to this that when a, an authority has power over someone and they have a clear set of rules and the consequences for those rules are clearly identified and the consequences themselves are considered humane and functional and they work, then what you have is not bullying. What you have is a system of household government. So let's take a look at what do we do in our society with the law. Let's just look at that for a second. We've got, right now, we're going through a time where African-Americans and the Black Lives Matter movement are making it vividly clear that we have a legal system that encourages the beating and killing of people based on their skin color. And we've known for decades that people who are lighter skinned get a better shape than people who are of other colors, period. And so we basically, what we have here is a system, a political system based on bullying when you think about it. So what we have are we have clear laws, but they're not evenly applied. Right? They're applied to segregate people who are different from, the, from those who are in power. And then you look at when someone is actually prosecuted, what kind of system do they go into? If you've ever talked to anyone who works in the jail system, they will tell you that the jails today are mostly run by the inmates, that uh, there's very little rehabilitation that goes on, that prison guards are, even though we hear often hear reports of prison guards being abusive, actually that's in a minority right now. So we take people and we incarcerate them because they break the law and they tend to be predominantly people who are not Caucasian. And we put them into a system that's being run by the prisoners, which means that it's basically a training ground for criminality. 
So you take someone who's maybe picked up off the street and locked up wrongly, they're more likely to become a criminal. You pick up someone who's doing a something like selling marijuana, which is legal in a lot of states now, and so questionably illegal in that sense, and put them in, they get trained how to do more and better crimes. And so we have a system that not only alienates and separates, it bullies minorities, but it also sets minorities up to become more and more criminalized, and more, therefore it, the system justifies itself through that. That's, that's like an idea, just to get the depth of bullying and how it happens. All right. So how do we feel when one of our children is bullied? Obviously, we're gonna feel angry. We're gonna feel helpless. We're gonna feel frustrated. I mean, I remember one of my kids coming back and reporting to me that someone had bullied them and I was furious and I wanted to go destroy that child and I wanted to destroy their parent. And it took a lot for me to realize that it was that very same anger in me that was creating a sense of victimization in my child and making him vulnerable to bullying in school. And I, there was a lot of work that needed to happen there to stop that relationship in our household. It took years, years of personal work for me, you know, to, to put an end to emotional bullying that I was the source of and to uplift that child so that he stood for himself and was no longer bullied. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible, but just get it that one of the big challenges here is that very often bullying starts in our home and it can be in very subtle ways as we've talked about. So I'm gonna challenge you to take a look at your home, take a look at the relationships in your home and see what's going on. Sometimes bullying occurs as one parent being dominant over the other. So very often I have clients who come to me and they're divorcing a very bullying parent. <clears throat> I have several clients right now who are divorcing parents who they felt were emotionally abusive to them for years. Um, and the relationship of the children in one case is that the children have taken the side of the emotionally abusive parent and have become more and more like that parent. Um, and in another case, the children feel very victimized by the parent and side with the parent who's a victim. So what do you do when you're a parent who's having that experience? And very often the first step is First, you separate yourself from the bullying experience. Second, you assess, all right, yes, I was a victim. I was abused in a way that was not okay, not acceptable, and, I, and how do I not allow it again? Like, what are the clothes that I'm wearing that make me vulnerable to that kind of bullying? So part of the work they do with me is identifying how they can change how they're being so that they are not prey without becoming a predator. And so the answer here is that you don't have to be a bully to stop the bullying and you don't need someone to rescue you from the bullying. And what it is, is moving into a mindset that's outside of the bullying victor rescuer triangle. That's a, the relationship that goes on. There's victims, there's bullies and the people who save them and the people who save them are actually have an investment in bullying going on. When you get outside of that relationship, what you're doing is you're looking at how do I make this a win for everyone? So the people who work with me on this work on, all right, what do I need to win? So first they build themselves up. How do I need to take care of myself? How do I charge my own battery? Then they look at what does my child need to be a winner here? How do I protect them? Teach them to protect themselves from people who bully in the way that their parent does without incriminating the parent. Very fine line to walk. It's very easy to say, you know, your dad is a bully 
and he's always out to win and watch out, he's gonna make you wrong at every turn, but that actually damages the child and doesn't help them protect themselves because that's their other parent. So what they learn to do is they learn to teach their child to say, people who do X, Y, when people do X, Y, and Z, this is what you need to do to protect yourself. So first they teach them how to identify that particular kind of bullying that the other parent has, and they teach them how to protect themselves. So basically they teach them to identify bullying, which we've just been talking about, and they teach them how to protect themselves, um, what to do, when to, how to walk away, how to shut it down so that they're, they are no longer a victim uh, and they're, they're just not engaged in that exchange anymore until things chill out. Many people believe that bullying is an unavoidable part of childhood. And the truth is that that statistic that one in five children are bullied tells us that not every child is bullied and not every child is a bully. So it is possible to not have that experience. A big challenge is people don't often talk about when they're bullied because they're afraid. They're afraid of what's gonna happen to them. So what you need to do is you need to be looking for qualities in your children to see if they're either bullies or victims. So we've already identified that a victim, uh, they might come home with damaged clothing. Um, they might have bruises or cuts or scratches. They may not have many friends with whom because they've been cut off from the pack. They may be afraid to go to school or go to the park. Um, they may lose interest in being with other children like through school. They may seem sad, moody, or even depressed. And this can happen, by the way, it doesn't, they don't have to be sad, moody, and depressed. They could be just a little sad. They could have physical ailments going on that, are, that seem unusual, like ongoing headaches or stomach aches. Because a lot of times when we're being bullied, we store that fear in our body uh, and it shows up in negative ways. It could show up as bad dreams. Um, they may not feeling, they might not, just not, may not feel good about themselves. Now, if maybe you, you're worried that your child is a bully, you know, here's some characteristics of bullies. They're gonna have, they're gonna think violent behavior is cool. They're gonna watch programs on TV where there's a lot of violence. And guess what? There's so many programs with violence on TV. We can virtually create bullies just by having them play games where they're killing people a lot of the time and watching television programs with violence. They may lack empathy. And there are studies that show that video games can de-empathize our children. We may be creating our bullies in our children, not in our own household, just by allowing them to absorb the same content that everyone else is absorbing. They can have difficulty following rules and they can be argumentative, like authority issues. They behave impulsively. Uh, they ha may have some self-esteem issues, but can also be covered over by a sense of grandiosity. And they have more, they tend to be leaders of some kind, not necessarily positive leaders, because they have more power either physically or socially than other people in the school. So people tend to follow them. All right. So now we've talked about the characteristics. Let's talk about how to educate the victim. So just like with my clients, the first thing a child needs to identify is it's not okay, it's not normal, it's not right, it's not good.
That's also true for the bully, by the way. Long pose there, I'm just thinking this through. Um, in both cases, you wanna identify that bullying is not all right. In the case of the victim, you need to educate them that who they are is enough, who they are is okay, that they don't deserve that treatment. And there is an element of courage there. Having the courage to face the bully, even if it means not winning, the victory is in refusing to surrender to the bully, or the victory might be in learning ways to get around the bully. Uh, like in the case of my client, she divorced the bully. She still deals with him as a parent. She is very clear that there are, she's got ground rules for how she, when and how she'll see him and when she'll talk to him and what they can talk about. So if you're being bullied in school, you can have ground rules to the best of your ability for when you're gonna deal with, talk to these other people if it's, if it's possible. Um, if there's no way to control that, then it needs to be brought up in the school with the teachers, with the counselor, and some form of action needs to be taken. So the recourse of the disempowered victim is to, to gain a sense of personal empowerment. And if they can't, match the bully in physical stature or emotional, or maybe it's not even healthy for them to match them. But if, if they can't rebalance that power, they can do it like that youngest child. They can get an authority to step in for them, but not in a manipulative way, in a direct way. You know, going to an outside authority that has more power over the bully is a way to do that, but it can be tricky. It has to be concise. The bully needs to understand that if there are reprisals to the, the other child, that there will be reprisals to him or her. If your child is a bully, again, to make it clear that it's not okay, they, you, they need to be held accountable for their behavior. There need to be clear rules in the household and follow through with logical consequences, like withdrawing privileges or maybe limiting freedom. You definitely wanna look at, I think we all need to look at how much violence are we exposing ourselves to? You know, there's a study back in the 60s that showed that when people walk into a room where there's a weapon mounted to the wall, like a, a rifle or a sword mounted to the wall, that they will act more violently than that when they walk into that room when nothing's mounted to that wall. They'll act with more aggressively, that's really the word. So just get that anytime there's a weapon involved or anytime we see violent behavior, we are reactive to it, all of us. And so what that means is that what we take in influences so much how we feel. So we wanna be looking at what are our children seeing? Is it stuff that might trigger bullying in them or make it think it's okay? We wanna spend more time with our children. You know, Very often bullying is a cry for attention. I like we say that about everything, but it's true. We wanna spend time with them. We wanna talk about with them about it. Like what is it that makes them feel good and what are some other ways that they could get that feeling without stealing, uh, power from others by separating them and bullying them. How could they get that sense of good feeling on their own? We want to build them up by supporting their talents and, skill, talents and skills. We want to reward them frequently for minor victories. We want to listen to them. We want to hear what they have to say. If somebody says to us that our child is a bully, we want to ask them about it, but we want to know the facts first. Like we can't just take their word for it. We need to know what's going on because bullies are very good manipulators, right? They're, they're all about 
creating circumstances in their favor. And they do that socially, verbally, and emotionally. Okay, what if it's going on in your home? The first step would be very similar. Well, actually, let me say this. Bullying probably occurs in most homes in some way. So my first challenge to you would be look at the places in your life where you feel like you're being victimized. Is it happening at home? Is it happening at work? Because that's the starting point. Where is it that you, you personally feel like a victim? So feeling like a victim means like you have a fear that you're gonna lose something or fear that you have lost something. Um, somebody called me today very aggressively and my first reaction was fearful. And then I took a breath and I said, listen, we need to change the tone of this conversation. And the conversation changed and I stopped feeling fearful and they behaved less aggressively. And the whole, the whole conversation changed in that moment. But had I stayed in that place of fear, it would have been actually a kind of an emotional bullying situation where they're expressing their anger and I'm just taking it in feeling fearful. So first let's look at where we're fearful and see how can we change those relationships. Second, Let's look at what's our reaction to fear. So the three actions to fear are fight, flight, and play dead. So do we play dead? Do we run or do we fight? And the chances are, if we fight, that we probably have a strong bullying tendency. If we play dead or run away, probably less so. Now, next, if you're fearful and fighting is not your natural instinct, how much is the person who's inspiring that fear in you, bullying you. And it's really easy to go to them and say, I'm afraid, so you're a bully. But that's not necessarily what's going on. Remember that bullying doesn't have to be conscious. It's not like people just rise up and say, I'm gonna be a bully. People rise up and say, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm gonna do something about it. And they may not even realize that they're becoming the person who was oppressing them. So sometimes ending bullying is about bringing to consciousness in your own household things that you're seeing now as a result of this that you didn't see before. So take that awareness and have a conversation with your partner about where you may be using your power in a way that's unbalanced with them and vice versa. Because anytime that somebody succumbs to a power imbalance or gives in to bullying, however you wanna frame that, it creates a subtext of anger and fear that poisons the marriage, poisons the relationship. So this is really something you want to look at is how is bullying as an idea, you know, toxifying your relationship. And I've had couples come to me with this where both couples were bullying each other in different ways. So is it bullying if both people are doing it? Yes, it is because they were exercising power in their areas of dominance and each one felt threatened and scared in those different, in, in the area where the other one was dominant. So one partner might be really bullying the other partner about how messy they are and how they don't care and how they do everything for them. And the other partner might be bullying them about how they earn all the money and they're so, they're just, they're so busy spending it and why don't they help them with that? So you, they can be, there can, bullying can be two ways. It's, there's not always a clear bully and a clear victim. Sometimes in a relationship, people can be abusing, emotionally abusing one another. And that's actually the most common thing that you'll find in relationships is that these little power imbalances where people are just twisting the knob a little and hurting their partner. 
And that's the stuff that slowly erodes a relationship. And I've had couples work on that, identify it and clean it up, release it and you know, move out of that bullying victim mindset and move to a win-win mindset. All right, how do we win together? How can I help you with the cleaning? How can you help me with the financial thing, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so that's enough talk about bullying today. If you wanna know more about this, I would encourage you to direct message me or you can email me rich at richinrelationship.com or you can go to my website, richinrelationship.com. Also, if you're live right now, um, I, we're having, I'm having a joint dance event tomorrow, Saturday, 12-12, with Dance Together NYC at 5.30 p.m. Uh, and it's actually gonna be around the issue of control uh, and how c control impacts the way we relate to each other. And so this dynamic of, of uh, opposing powers and bullying actually is a factor of control. When we do that, we're trying to control the other person's behavior for one reason or another. And the dance event is phenomenal. We did one a month ago. People had a great time and they learned so much. It's a fun way to explore your relationship and you walk away feeling just awesome. Dance releases stress. It releases sadness. It brings out joy. So you can, if that is, you can go to this website to sign up for it. It's bit.ly forward slash capital D dance with design, all one word, capital D and then all lowercase dance with design, bit.ly forward slash dance with design. And if you're watching this video post December 12th, we're going to be having another one of these events on Valentine's Day. So be looking for that. Thank you so much.